If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, I am Randy Andrews, and today is a special set of episodes starting with the early results of Tomb Raider, the games, with the character Laura Croft and her world. I'll delve into the synopsis on each game, a few aspects of the game, as well as look at the three movies that have been produced. I'll also construct pieces of music from each game, as well as the movies, This epic undertaking will take a whole two episodes. However, it will be expedient and precise. I hope you enjoy what I bring out, and it's all today on Soundtrack Alley. Today, I'll be discussing several of the games from the Tomb Raider series. To begin, let's start talking about Tomb Raider from 1996. This critically acclaimed game is one of the most innovative and influential games of its genre. Tomb Raider was originally developed by Core Design and published by Eidos Interactive in 1996. The game follows the adventures of British female archaeologist Laura Croft as she searches for the legendary Atlantean Scion. In addition to being the first feature of female lead character in setting up the standard for even future action-adventure games, Tomb Raider was also among the first games to introduce a third-person perspective. And that really was innovative for the time. Laura Croft, as her background is, is daughter of Lord Henshingley Croft, who brought up, was brought up in wealth and privilege. This changed when, on a return from a skiing trip, her plane crashed in the Himalayas. Laura, then aged 21, was the only survivor, and having to stay alive on her own in the wild had a huge impact on her. She found she could no longer bear the sheltered world of British aristocracy and turned to adventuring instead. Lord and Lady Croft did not agree with their daughter's rejection of the lifestyle intended for her, so Laura was soon disowned. She turned to publishing books about her discoveries to fund her trips and has made a name for herself by discovering several important archaeological sites as well as stamping out Bigfoot. 
It was shortly after the Bigfoot discovery that Laura is contacted by CEO of Natla Technologies, Miss Jacqueline Natla, and hired to recover the piece of the Atlantean scion from an unfound tomb in the Peruvian Andes. Ever the adventurer, Laura accepts the job, but soon discovers she's not the only person after the artifact, and that her new employer, employer is not all what she seems to be. During her explorations, Laura faces dangerous death traps, deadly enemies, complicated puzzles, and best of all, powerful bosses. Being in control, the player's objective is to guide Laura through the vast complex levels and find the artifact she seeks. The game focuses primarily on puzzles and exploration, but there is also a fair amount of combat involved making a great use of the surprise factor. Laura's movements were designed to suit her surroundings and allow her to interact with different objects. Movements include running, walking, jumping, side-flipping, side-stepping, swimming, rolling, traversing while hanging off a ledge, and pushing movable objects. Laura is also able to perform two acrobatic special moves, the handstand and the swan dive. While underwater, a breath meter appears, indicating the amount of air left in Laura's lungs, and Laura can hold her breath for about two minutes, after which she'll drown. While on land, Laura's default weapons are twin pistols with unlimited ammo. Additional weapons can be found through the progress of the game, including a shotgun, magnums, and Uzis. Many factors may lead to the death of Laura Croft. Some merely cause damage, while others are immediately fatal, such as falling off a high ledge or running, getting run over by a boulder. Damage caused by enemies varies by enemy type, and with those at the beginning generally being easier to kill and less nasty than those at the end of the game. Some of the more powerful enemies include dinosaurs, gun-wielding humans, various creatures such as wolves, tigers, and more, and to restore Laura's health, you use metapacks. And fire <laughs> causes rapid decrease of health, and unless put out in jumping into water, Laura's killed immediately. The game has only one outfit, which is Laura's trademark outfit, the blue top, brown shorts, boots, and a smashing mini backpack. Now, this game was available on PC, PlayStation, Sega Saturn, and the Mac. One extra thing I'd like to bring up about every Tomb Raider game, it has a specific voice actress. For this first game, it was Shelley Blonde, and it only took her five hours to record all the dialogue and sound for the game. I'd like to share a short piece of music from the score. Uh, The pieces are composed by Nathan McCree, And they are Theme of the Tomb Raider, Combat, By the Gods, Various, Time to Run, and The Journey Continues. These really represent some of the great writing for this game, and the score is really brilliant work by the composer. So I hope you enjoy this.
Next, let's get into discussing Tomb Raider 2 from 1997. The second installment of the game invites you to join Laura as she travels around the globe to retrieve a precious artifact before it falls into the wrong hands. The legendary artifact, the Dagger of Zin, is said to give its possessor the power of a fire-breathing dragon. Laura's search for the dagger begins in the Great Wall of China, where she learns that she has competition in her quest, and a sect known as Fima Nera, Italian for Black Flame, is led by Marco Bartoli, who wants to possess the artifact and would do the impossible to reach it before Laura does. A frantic race for the dagger ensues, with each side trying to outwit the other at every turn. Laura's Odyssey takes her to different parts of the world, from China, where she starts her journey, to the famous Venice, where there's a sunken ship to search for clues that may help her on her quest, and from there the plot thickens as Laura is compelled to visit one of the harshest climates in the world, Tibet. As she discovers more and more clues, she finds herself face-to-face with Marco Bartoli back in China, but if only things were that simple. Marco isn't giving up without a fight. The second installment of Tomb Raider retains the charm and atmosphere of the original while introducing new exciting features. Laura faces more enemies than she did, resulting in an action-packed and often challenging combat sequence. A new Laura Croft game model had been introduced, as well as some improved graphics, and let's not forget, plenty of new weapons. In addition to better puzzles, harder enemies to kill, and a large variety of levels, there was a new appendage to the game, vehicles. The game puts Laura and you behind the wheel of the speedboat and the snowmobile, including high-octane action to the broth. There's new indoor environments, uh, such as long-forgotten ones, such as atmospheric decrease in illumination, in addition to flares that allow Laura to light her way through the darkest tombs. Now, the controls remain about the same from the previous game, with the addition of new movements, Wall climbing uh, opens up new perspectives in level design, while the acrobatic mid-air turn, also performable during swan dive for a graceful effect, comes in handy during combat. With more combat naturally comes a bigger arsenal, and Tomb Raider 2 has no lack of new weapons. The powerful M16 assault rifle, the harpoon gun to fight off underwater enemies, the grenade launcher, and many others are added. And, for example, Laura doesn't get to, or doesn't need to get closer to distant enemies because she can use the M16 to hunt down those, and then also a few shots from this monster will topple the largest of enemies. And, of course, she has the harpoon gun. And unlike the original Tomb Raider, this installment features more human enemies. But there's also no shortage to non-human enemies, such as, of course, the T-Rex, the underwater creatures, birds, bats, spiders, and so on. Aside from the default, Laura does have some new outfits. In China and Venice, she wears her normal outfit, whereas in snowy Tibetan levels, she chooses something offering a little more warmth, 
a flight jacket along with her usual shorts. As for clothing worn in the oceanic parts of the game, Laura is barefooted and wears her famous solo swimsuit. And finally, for the concluding levels in the manor, when Laura receives unexpected guests, she wears a beautiful blue velvet nightgown. Tomb Raider 2 is a solid sequel to the popular, of course, first Tomb Raider game, and it was released on Microsoft Windows and PlayStation, as well as Apple and Mac. And so for Tomb Raider 2 and Tomb Raider 3, Judith Gibbons provided the voice for Laura Croft, and it was her only voiceover roles of her entire career. So for this game, I'd like to present the cues of title music, Venice, Laura's theme, By the Gods, On the Snowmobile, Dealing with Trouble, and the Italian Gong. And this also was composed by Nathan McCree, and it represents some of the best things of the sequel. So I hope you enjoy it.
Next, we're going to look at Tomb Raider 3, released in 1998. There's much in the way of history when Laura Croft is in India as she's searching for artifacts once again. And Tomb Raider 3 combines the best elements of its two predecessors. Tomb Raider's atmosphere, vast locations, puzzle solving and exploration elements of Tomb Raider 2's action and use of vehicles. The combination of these elements offer the player an environment that features more of a 50-50 balance between exploration and action elements. Tomb Raider 3 also has non-linear levels present present the player with more than one route to complete each level. There's also a new structure. Tomb Raider 3 contains five separate adventures that link together. After completing the first adventure, the following three may be played in any order before the fifth level brings the game to its conclusion. A new save game system has been implemented and it offers easy and difficult options. There's also improved AI uh, that allows more sophisticated combat techniques. Since enemies react far more realistically, they may even run away when initially approached. It's now possible to sneak past some enemies and duck behind objects while shooting. As well as completing a new landscape system that allows for greater detail than the previous games, Tomb Raider 3 incorporates a variety of new elements such as multicolored lighting, weather effects, and more realistic execution for flames, explosions, and of course, water surfaces. So all these elements have been designed to give the game more depth and the player more satisfaction. So it was available on PC, PlayStation, and Mac. So today, I'll be playing some of the cues by Nathan McCree of an intensely large electric score, which include title music, the theme of India overlooking the ocean or overlooking the river, which reminds you of Indiana Jones, a series of tasks, the showdown, and Ludd's passageways. These highlight the ambience of the game as well as some of the key action moments of the score. I hope you like it.
Next, we're going to discuss Tomb Raider, The Last Revelation from 1999. Based entirely in Egyptian locations, Last Revelation's plot revolves around ancient mythology and an alignment of the stars at the millennium. Finding herself in a serious predicament, Laura Croft's objective is clear from the outset. She must escape a terrifying destiny and rectify a situation that threatens to destroy humanity. The storyline is driven seamlessly through gameplay via advanced engine technology and new programming routines allow gameplay to dissolve into cutscenes and FMV, making the adventure more continuous that than previously experienced. The game engine has also been redesigned and incorporates visual detail, new targeting systems, new environmental interaction, and vastly improved AI and all-new inventory system. The traditional inventory rings are now obsolete. The interface is totally redesigned and now allows items to be combined, which is pretty cool, adding to a new dimension of the gameplay. Now, the inventory includes Laura's diary, an ongoing journal, hints and tips, and location maps, which adds to the features of the game. And so there's clear objectives, there's smaller locations that result in less traveling time between the areas. And the individual environments are more reminiscent of the original game, tightly focused and puzzle-oriented, which a lot of fans of the games really enjoy. And an emphasis on the ancient locations and tombs allow mystery, suspense, and characteristic atmosphere to play key roles throughout the game. And so this was not only available on PC, PlayStation, and Mac, but it was also available on the Sega Dreamcast. The voice actress for Last Revelation, Chronicles, and Angel of Darkness was the lovely Jonelle Elliott. She has done other voice acting work and redefined the acting voice of Laura Croft. The score was composed by Peter Connolly, and the cues I've chosen are The Last Revelation Theme, Boss, Jeep Thrills Max, Mystery, and Close to the End. I hope you enjoyed this dramatic music.
Next, let's get into talking about Tomb Raider Chronicles from 2000. So, at the end of Last Revelation, we find that Laura Croft disappeared, and those closest to Laura gathered together at the Croft estate on a gray, rainy day for a memorial service in her honor. Afterwards, the friends sit quietly together in the study of the Croft mansion and reminisce about Laura's exploits. And these exploits are what encompass the game of Chronicles. They take place just days after the last revelation. And it's discussed that after the Temple of Horus had caved in, effectively entombing Laura, she's presumed dead. A memorial service is held in which Winston Smith, Father Patrick Dunstan, revealed that Werner von Croy is excavating the dilapidated temple in the hope of discovering her alive. Later at Croft Manor, these associates, uh, including Charles Kane, reminisce about her past adventures. 
the first of which is situated in Rome, where Laura is searching for the fabled Philosopher's Stone. Pierre Dupont and Larson Conway are reintroduced, and we learn that they are, too, after the stone. The second adventure entails Laura on the hunt for the famed Spear of Destiny. She encounters a Mephisto gang leader, Mikhailov, who is also after the spear. And Laura retrieves the spear from the ocean floor, but is apprehended by a couple of his men. She warns him not to use the spear, that he has no idea of its powers, da-da-da-da-da-da. However, he, of course, disregards her warnings and attempts to regain the spear and is inflicted with power, and the submarine hull is breached, and Laura escapes, leaving the spear to rest. And then the third adventure is set in Laura's childhood on Black Isle of Ireland. She's staying with Winston, but overhears him and Father Patrick Dunstan conversing about strange paranormal happenings on the island. She stows away on the small boat, Father Patrick drives to the island, and encounters many strange beings such as a hanging corpse changelings, a monster intent on chasing and killing her, the Grim Reaper, Ghost, and the demon Verdelet. The fourth and final expedition involves Laura infiltrating a high-tech complex owned by none other than Werner von Croy in pursuit of the Iris artifact, an artifact that Laura sees as her own from the beginning events of The Last Revelation. After the fourth adventure is wrapped up, we are taken to Egypt where we see Warner von Croy excavating the collapsed temple. A young boy gets the attention of Warner and asks him to come see, and he follows. Where he enters the tomb, he demands to see what they found, and it's Laura's backpack. He then declares, We found her! The gameplay is closely tied to that of The Last Revelation, and it's very similar, but gives her the ability to do tightrope walking, the ability to grab and swing on horizontal bars, and the ability to somersault forward from a ledge while crouching. This focuses on Laura herself, with not much improvement from the previous installment. However, she's able to have new clothing, such as a camouflage snowsuit, and a black cat suit suitable for infiltration. For the combat and inventory, she's given like a uh, MP5 submachine gun, a Desert Eagle, uh, the revolver, and the grappling gun, which fires a grappling hook in perishable surfaces and produces a rope from which Laura can swing. And then she also gets a vehicle which has the high-tech diving suit to penetrate the deep waters and the ability to save wherever one desires is really what uh, gets carried over from the last revelation now of course some of the locations we've already talked about is rome russia ireland and of course new york and in total there's 36 scattered uh, different remnants of secrets that are found throughout the game. There's also a level editor, which is kind of surprising and changed from the previous editions of the Tomb Raider series. Now, these programs have 
dabbled with changing the outfits, changing the environments, and it didn't quite uh, live up to its expectations. However, it was available on PC, PlayStation, Dreamcast, and Mac. So, the cues I've chosen today are, again, from Peter Connolly. They are Flyby, Military, Spooky, Underwater, and Credits. I hope you enjoy this short suite.
So before moving on to later games that changed the character's look, pushing the boundaries and enhancing the style of gameplay, let's look at one of the movies from 2001. This one was entitled Laura Croft Tomb Raider. The score was composed by Graham Revel, and the role of Laura Croft was, of course, Angelina Jolie. The main uh, plot is the orphaned heiress and intrepid archaeologist embarks on a dangerous quest to retrie retrieve the two halves of an ancient artifact which controls time before it falls into the wrong hands. As an extremely rare planetary alignment is about to occur for the first time in 5,000 years, the fearless Tomb Raider will have to team up with rival adventurers, sworn enemies to collect the pieces while time is running out. But in the end, who can harness the archaic talisman unlimited power? You can only know if you watch the movie. When Laura is seen smashing the clock with a hammer, Hillary, the butler, uh, uses a silver tray to protect his face. Now this is an actual reference from the game in which exploring Croft Manor, the player can shoot at the butler who then also uses the tray he's carrying around to protect himself. Toward the end of the film, when Laura finds a bunch of wolves, she said, Aha! This was also a link to the original games, where Laura would use that phrase when she picked up an item. There were filming scenes where Laura la drives her Land Rover to through the jungle, and there had to be endless reshoots due to snakes and other wildlife falling through the open top roof. And Angelina Jolie did her own bungee ballet, and according to the interview with her on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, she injured her ankle on the first take when landing on top of the chandelier, and it, it went bad. So that part of the scene had to be done over again 
after she recovered. This was also the 11th highest grossing action film with a woman in the lead role. Now, also ironically, uh, Laura Croft's father in the movie uh, was Angelina Jolie's real father, John Voight. And so her birth name was Angelina Jolie Voight. And she's uh, in the movie, she's English, and Alex West in the movie is American. However, in real life, Angelina Jolie is American, and Daniel Craig is English. The gun that Daniel Craig used in Tomb Raider uh, is a Walter PPK, the signature weapon of James Bond. He's wielding this weapon again as 007 in Casino Royale. Now, Angelina Jolie received weapons training from an instructor of the SAS, the United Kingdom's Elite Special Forces, to prepare herself for the role. In the video game, this is very important, that Laura Croft is a 36DD. Now, Angelina Jolie naturally is a 36C, and was padded to be a 36D for the movie. It was felt that the padding to the original character size would be too unrealistic. Laura never wounds or kills anyone with a gun in this movie, except when she's using the gun to hit one of the robbers in the head while she rides past. Also, the picture in the inset of Laura's father's pocket watch is that of Linda Carter. And also, Alex West, who was Daniel Craig, was originally named Alex Mars, but because the name hadn't been cleared by the legal department, it couldn't be used. So, Simon West decided to name the character Alex West after his father, since he knew that if needed, he could get legal clearance for the name. Now, many of Laura's action moves are known and loved by any aficionados of the video games, Drawing weapons mid-somersault, swallowing dives into water, uh, forward rolls to reverse direction, they're all signature moves of the experienced player. Now, the filmmakers at first envisioned the scenes ultimately shot in Cambodia, taking place in the Great Wall of China, while the schedule didn't allow for this to happen. The alternative was to build the Great Wall in Scotland, Ultimately, they opted for the stone temples of Cambodia instead. Now, Laura, of course, has been given a lot of gadgets in the film where there's specific nods to certain gameplay, uh, such as the reloader belt or the backpack, which allows her to reload her guns very quickly. And it's pretty awesome because she uses that backpack for a lot of different things. At the time of shooting, Angelina Jolie sported a large tattoo on her upper left arm, and makeup was used to cover the tattoo, but one can see where the tattoo had been covered up in several scenes, particularly the shower scene. The temple in Cambodia, uh, in which Laura lands, is Phnom Baeking, which is just outside the south gate of the city of Angkor, Thom. Next, when we see her drive her Land Rover, Laura is at Bayon, at the center of Angkor Thom. The temple with the trees overgrown on it, where she falls, is 
Ta Prom. Now, Laura's training robot was named Simon, and that was after the director, Simon West. And apart from normal jumping, the only moves Laura Croft does in the movie, which can be done in the games, is to jump over the living statue and rolls in the air. And this can be done in the PlayStation game by pressing forward and square, then circle while in the air. Now, in the movie, the Illuminati is reported to be a real-life secret society with origins dating back to the 1700s, though it's a matter of debate whether it still exists. Many books, factual fiction, or science fiction novels have been written about the legendary group, and the best known being the Illuminatus trilogy by Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson. Now, the monkeys Laura fights are modeled after the ones at Bante Serre, a temple located far from Angkor Wat, and they are the guardians of the door. Now, also, the music played while the explorers are in the Siberian village is the Thuvian throat singing. And Angelina Jolie was extremely hesitant about wearing Laura's famous short shorts that she wears in the games and the opening fight scene with Simon. However, she eventually agreed because she knew it would make the fans of the character happy. She also stated in an interview that she kept Laura's holsters and has them at home, which is pretty cool. She also agreed to do the first film of all the locations she would get to visit, and she fell in love with Cambodia, leading her to move there and help with the minefield cleanup. And it also is where she met and eventually adopted her first son, Maddox. Now, originally, Laura or Angelina Jolie, was going to be naked in the shower scene, similar to the epilogue of the video game sequel, Tomb Raider 2, but the idea was dropped in order to avoid an R rating, and so the film could secure a PG-13 rating instead, only having her side boobs shown. The rather odd-looking record player, shown for a brief second when she's doing her bungee ballet, is a clear audio master reference table. Comes all gold-plated and retails for about $27,000. This was just a few of the many key elements of the facts regarding the movie, and it was a thoroughly enjoyable movie to be had. So in honor of the film, I'd like to play a few selections from the score. The cues I'll play... Our main titles, which were rejected, uh, The Clock, Home Invasion, Planetary Alignment, and Laura Defeats Powell. I believe Graham Revel doesn't get enough credit for composing such a brilliant full orchestra score, especially devoted to a video game character. I hope you enjoy this suite.
So sadly, we've come down to an end of part one of the program. I hope you've enjoyed what you've been presented with, and next time you'll even get more of the Tomb Raider games and movies. And I'd like to thank Alexander Shebel for composing the uh, theme to Soundtrack Alley. And to close out the show, I'd like to play the really excellent score uh, from Tomb Raider Angel of Darkness. Now here's a brief uh, synopsis of what the game is like. This is a new Lara Croft for a new generation. Edios and Core announced it with the return of the world's most famous video game character, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, and it was introduced as the Angel of Darkness. The game was released on PlayStation 2 and PC, and it came out in the year 2002. Now, it's a classic Lara as both hunter and hunted, relying on her ingenuity and athleticism and a new edge that has arisen from her dark inner demons. However, this time she faces more evolved characters and situations, calling on more involved decisions and making. Uh, Laura now has the ability to interact with characters and the choice of which path she's going to take. Now, this upgrades her trademark style and look, and dropping her into a bombshell scenario calls for a new resourcefulness, making her a stronger, more complex heroine. Now, Adrian Smith, the operations director at Core Design, said, Our vision was to take the character somewhere dark, a place they might not necessarily wish to go, but a place they would have to venture if they were to bring Laura back. Now, Laura will have some tough moral choices to make, and it's no longer a clear-cut case of good versus evil. And this is more complex tale, which will ask more complex questions of the player. It will give a new experience for people who played Tomb Raider in the past. Now, the game employs a brand new engine built from the ground up to fully utilize the power of PlayStation 2 and the latest PC graphics cards. Laura is now made up of 5,000 polygons, as opposed to just 500 in the previous Tomb Raider games. She must traverse an intricately detailed world, which takes her from the back streets of Paris to the hellish depths of Prague. Now, Laura has changed since her experiences in Tomb Raider The Last Revelation. She has become darker, harder, less tolerant, and her tomb raiding days are a distant memory. The desperate phone call from her former mentor, Von Croy, leads her to Paris. Von Croy has been asked by a sinister client, Eckhart, to track down one of the five 4th century artworks, the Obscura paintings. Laura arrives in Paris to find a city in fear. Von Croy has been a victim of a horrible, horrific murder and framed for the crime. Laura has no option but to go on the run. During her exploits, Laura encounters a kindred spirit known as Curtis Trent, a hardened adventurer like herself who's in pursuit of Eckhart. In her struggle to unravel the trail left by Von Croy, Laura becomes involved in underworld deals, grotesque murders, the dark side of advanced form of alchemy, and a history of blood, betrayal, and vengeance spanning across hundreds of years. 
Laura Croft, of course, is voiced by the lovely Jonelle Elliott. The score, composed by Peter Connolly and Martin Iveson, is absolutely brilliant and should be taken account of since it was recorded in London by the London Symphony Orchestra at Abbey Road Studios. The score is a level above any Tomb Raider game before this. The orchestral writing, the complex melodies along with its brooding quality, make the score truly stand out. So what I'd like to do is play a suite of music from that game for you. I'd also like you to be able to really enjoy this suite of music. It's so wonderfully produced. You can find me on social media at RandallAndrews1 on Twitter. Uh, find me at SoundtrackAlley.net. Uh, find me on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, wherever, whatever podcatcher you use. And all those links will be in the show notes. Also, you can check out my merch store at Redbubble. And it's under Marsman1 for my title of my store. Um, I'd like to thank Alexander Shebel, of course, composing Soundtrack Alley's theme music. Find his work at xanderscores.com. You can also follow my blog and post on soundtrackalley.net. Recently, I, I posted a written interview with Blake Northcott of the uh, brilliant Arena Mode series. You'll have to check that out. And you can email me at soundtrackalley at yahoo.com. So now I'll play our closing suite. And until next time, which I'll be presenting part two of the Tomb Raider adventures, happy listening.
Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I hope you take the time to review my podcast on iTunes or even listen to it on Podbean. With your review, it helps me get noticed on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley Spotlight. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Also, if you want to leave a comment, question, or concern, please email me at soundtrackalley at gmail.com and enjoy looking at my blog at soundtrackalley.com. Thank you.